0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. NW265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and screaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
1: That would be my message to everybody here. Make a difference and help everybody's spirit in a positive way. God
2: bless you and roll tide. Jay Barker led the Crimson Tide to a national championship in 1992. Winner of the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award and a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. Voted the SEC Player of the Year and was drafted by the Green Bay Packers, also seeing time with the New England Patriots and the Carolina Panthers. He is the winningest quarterback in Alabama history, 35, 2, and 1, member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. Jay Barker brings that same championship quality and football expertise to his own radio network and show. Joining him is Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author, 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated, and professor at the University of Alabama. Live from the AVX studios in Birmingham, Alabama, the Jay Barker Show.
3: Welcome in. A lot of great football last night. UB Blazers, what a win for them. Uh, 49 to nothing and uh, took a knee there at the the end of the game. And we'll run through some of the highlights of that. Congratulations to Coach Bryant Vincent getting his first win as the interim head coach. We'll see whether or not that interim. Stays very long to keep playing the way they did last night on both sides of the football. Special teams as well to block punt early on for a touchdown. Congratulations to UAB over Alabama A&M last night at Protective Stadium. All right, we got a lot to get into today. Brad Edwards was uh, join us, used to be with ESPN, and now does a lot of stuff with New Book out uh, last year as well, and uh, just a stat guy like crazy. Look forward to visiting with him at one thirty today in the second hour. And uh, also uh, we got uh, Bama Utah uh, stay talking about that and all the matchups around the country and the SEC and some of the impactful matchups as far as teams trying to get into that final four coming up at the end of the year. Hard to believe that we're here, uh, but we are. Uh, it's week one after week zero, and they're going to have a lot of fun today talking about it. we got Tony Curry's going to join us from Tony Curry Radio Network. Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, I'm Jay Barker. We appreciate you joining us on this Friday edition. We are presented by Top Golf of Birmingham. Get out to Golf today. You'll absolutely love it with co-workers, family, friends. It's a great place to go. Have a lot of fun. they got great food and drinks. We call it the bowling of this generation. That's Top Golf of Birmingham. Also, Sunday King Ford on the sunday side of the street oxford Anniston. they drive us every day That's sunny king ford go by and see tony russell and all the great folks there at sunny king ford all right uh, we got a lot to jump into and uh before we do that i want to wish andrew my oldest a happy birthday he is 24 today Cannot believe he's 24 but uh happy birthday to andrew and uh let me welcome in the guys there at abx Lars, matt and i think tony's there with you as well
4: i hope everybody's doing well today bones here Happy birthday to Andrew, man. 24. Happy to a, it's an old song there from Neil Young, uh, old man, and says he, he's 24 and there's so much more. Wow. Tony, what so were you to... doing for your 24th birthday? Uh, while I was, he was here, here. Uh, <laughs> I was probably hanging out uh, down at Norm's with Matt Coulter and Kenny Stabler. Uh. That's probably what I was probably doing. <laughs> hey, Jay, uh, by the way, here, do sir. you know uh, who in the college football has the longest... Active road winning streak right now in college football? Active road winning streak. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be the Aggies of Utah State. Oh, wow. Just saying. I'm just saying. Okay. They, they have one eight stats in, in a row. And, and, and did, you, did you realize, too. They won 11 last year, did, right? Did you realize there's only one team in FBS history that has gone from one victory to 11 in one season? And, you know, and I just, guess that would be Utah that State. That would be Utah State Aggies. I'm just yeah. saying. Uh, are you, are you calling for the big U? Uh, no, not yet. <clears throat> I'm just, okay. you, know, I'm, you know, you got Brad Edwards coming up. I'm kind of a stack on myself. but I, I will start this, and you were talking about Brian Vincent, I'm glad you brought up this knee. Um, because if you had the over 60 last night, you may give up gambling for the rest of your life. <laughs> It's sitting at fifty nine to nothing last night. Yeah. With seventeen thirty four left in the game. By the way, the first quarter last night lasted four hours. I was sitting with Matt. It was one o'clock <laughs> in the morning after we did, the, we the second a case quarter, of beer. When the second quarter uh, no, started, I'm it was kidding. like one thirty in the morning. Um but we were sitting there, we had a great time, fifty nine nothing, two thirty four left in the third quarter. All you needed is one point for a push. And then of course UAB goes down. They get down to the A and M twelve, with about five, I think five minutes and thirty something seconds left, and it's fourth and five. And I'm thinking, okay, they're probably going to let the kicker because if you kick a field goal there, even though you're up fifty nine nothing, the other coach will understand. You want to get your kicker some experience. You want to get him to game. It's 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 not it's not running up the score. They've already done that. And then I'm thinking to myself, okay, go for it. And they're running into the line. You'll turn it over on downs, and the game will be over, and it'll hit 59, which is still amazing with that much time left over. So what do they do? Trayvon Curry takes the ball, runs for five yards. They get a first down. So now they get first and goal at the seven-yard line with five minutes left. And A&M wasn't stopping anything. They knew they were going to run the football. They couldn't stop anything at that point. And what does UAB do? They take a knee with 5.13 left in the football game. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the, the the announcers were saying um, – You know, I know that Bryant Vincent was trying to do the right thing.
5: Yeah, but it didn't look good.
4: But what Yeah, and and knowing he was trying to do the right thing, and and they were saying, the one guy was like, I do 35 football games a year. I've never seen a coach take a knee with five and change left in a football game. And what it ended up looking like is is A&M was like, please run the ball so at least we can play football and we can look like we're trying to stop you. And and just run it up the middle. We'll see what happens. So they take the knee, and obviously on downs, and the game lands at 59 instead of 60. Uh, If you had the over 60 last night. Uh, that was one of the worst bad beats, I think, in the history of college football. But Something guys, tells me you must have. <laughs> no, I had the under, actually. Oh, oh go good, good. So bad. I felt pretty good about that. Um, but yeah, 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 I don't, don't know why just, he's uh, telling me all that.
3: I mean, he texted me and said, can you tell Harrison to tell Coach Vincent not to score? I got the under. <laughs> <laughs> so he just went
4: through all No, the and the other, thing, that. Yeah, <laughs> the other thing, Jay, too, is you know what the record is for UAV points in a football game? 61 points was the most points they've ever (laughs) Uh. scored in history. Brian Vincent, in his first game as a head coach, could have broken broken UAB's all-time scoring record of 61 points, and they sat on it. So, I mean, I know he's trying to do the right thing, and and I appreciate that fact. I don't know taking a knee with that much time left in the football. They still had two minutes and 34 seconds left when they got the ball back after they took a knee. I know he was trying to do the right thing, but your thoughts on this, guys, what would you have done?
6: I would have run the ball. Yeah. yeah, there's too much time left. And just uh, let your fourth, fifth string guys get some action. Uh, guys who will have a chance to score a touchdown uh, in this game. Maybe they'll never have another chance all, all year long. Um, but what a statement made by the head coach and the fact that he's on the interim basis It comes out 59 nothing. I know it's Alabama A&M. It's not like he's playing at the University of Alabama. Yep. But nonetheless, uh, I thought it was very impressive showing all around by UAB and all facets of the game.
4: Bill Clark was there last night. Uh, he got a special plate uh, as, as a retiree and, of course, the entire stadium just erupted. See what the players it, you know, did for him? It was, it was fantastic. All took a name. God, what a cool moment. Yeah, and, and, I mean, and Jay, you played enough of these games uh, because, uh, you know, Alabama used to play those fluffs. The first two or three games, those cupcakes, we used to call them. Uh, and then, of course, they started getting the Chick fil A Bowls and all these other things. And Utah State, uh, let's give them credit, they won their conference last year and they won 11 games. But I mean, uh, it was one of those games where just everything worked out great. You won the turnover war; they had four turnovers. A and M did. Uh, you're talking about getting third, fourth string guys in there. Nine different guys caught footballs. Uh, you got the Baylor transfer; they got a chance to get some some reps. So it was just a it was just a a, a fant- And I thought I don't think you needed to show your hand that much. It was 28 nothing after the first quarter. So, uh, but A and M just couldn't get out of their way, yeah, and it was, was really this- chippy too. It was a chippy game as well.
6: There was just great college football last night. Great college football. Um, the the backyard brawl, West Virginia, Pitt, um man. The, the, first of all, the attendance was seventy thousand six hundred and twenty-two, and that is the largest crowd of any game in Pittsburgh sports history. So any wow. Steelers game, anything, the largest crowd in history. And uh, we're doing this new segment called Lars's Losers. And uh, basically, I'm <laughs> telling people to go against me. I took West Virginia, yep. getting seven and a half. Mm-hmm. I covered by point .5. So, yeah, yeah. Lars is losers. I'm 1-0 and oh on the season. Got a lot of momentum going. Oh Lars, way to go. He's 1-0. Oh. Yeah, by point .5. Uh, that, and that, you know, it, it's just funny with Vegas that that half a point, Tony, it mm-hmm. so often ends up determining... If you win or you lose, it is absolutely, particularly when you're buying.
4: I, I had Purdue last night, and, and it got another it, great game. I got it at half, so I covered by the half as well. But and yeah, you, and that, my, take, my
6: takeaway from that game
4: Penn State's beatable. Auburn can get Penn State. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of people are talking about Penn State this year, and, and you could tell by that. Listen, there's a reason why they keep building casinos during inflationary and, and you know, <laughs> depression times. That line was four last night. I'm like, how in the world is Purdue only a four-point dog against Penn State? And they gave it to him all night long going back and forth. It was a fantastic game. And more games today.
5: Hey, Michigan State plays tonight against uh, one of the directional schools there mm-hmm. in, in Michigan. So that'll, that'll be something to watch. But tomorrow, big game, big games. All day. You got the Tide, the Tigers, Bo Nix. Mm-hmm. Can he go to Georgia and win? Mm. How strange would it's, that be? It's
6: uh, step one for Bo Nix winning the Heisman Trophy. You don't yeah. think he's motivated, do
5: you? Ooh.
6: Yeah.
5: And he's been there, I, done I, that.
6: I would not be surprised if Bo Nix comes out and just plays amazing football. Well, we saw Not it. saying, not saying they're going to win the game, but you, I think, you, I think Bo get Nix this can play well. That we're
4: going to really see... The Bo Nix that we thought we were going to see, I we're, do. we're going to find I out did. what it. Because if he doesn't look particularly well, good, then we're going to go. Okay, well, then maybe Bo Nix wasn't. And obviously, with his father, we 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 thought that with that lineage and he's got the genetic makeup and everything. And everyone was hoping to see that at Auburn, but we really never saw it. We didn't know if it was maybe the play calling or the coaching or what it was. But I'm excited to see what he's going to do so, uh, that, in a different school, I'll to tell develop. you what he the does. Situation
5: that we saw maybe uh, to that extent. Not to that, not so. to that extent. But just. But do you remember watching the highlights of the spring game? Oh yeah. He's got receivers. Mm-hmm. He didn't have receivers at Auburn. I mean, he had Seth Williams as an NFL guy, He's got but he didn't an offensive have, line, and didn't have an offensive line. But he was and, running by, by the way, that's a six. At Auburn. It was just uh, Georgia's favored by sixteen. Yeah, take it all day. Are you going to give us another loser today? Take it all day. <laughs>
4: Are you going to take Georgia all day
5: long?
3: Yeah. Hey Jay, welcome <laughs> back to your show. Thank you. I think it's no, uh, I, I love the conversation. I think it's I think it's one of those things too, where you know, defensively last year, Dan Lanning was a big part of that as far as helping out with play calls, and a, a guy that understands the philosophy that they're going to come in and how Kirby's smart, and how he coaches up this team. So I, I think there's a little bit of a and not an edge as far as winning the game, but I do think it helps knowing kind of how they're going to make calls and kind of educating his quarterback on and uh, with uh, Bo Nix on what he, to expect on down and distance and different things, the philosophy behind what they're doing, how they uh, deal with coverage, disguises, and things that they do throughout the game. So I think that could be a real helpful piece of information for him throughout the game. But uh, I, I agree with you. I, I think Georgia should take care of business pretty easily.
4: I know a lot of people are talking about their defense, and obviously we know how teams perform after they win national titles. At least that number was was interesting 10 or 15 years ago. It may have changed this Alabama started winning all these national championships because they come back as good as they were the year before. But uh, it's always mm-hmm. interesting to see how teams are they still hungry? Do they still want to win another championship? So that's going to be interesting. But yeah, against the Ducks, I think uh, I think that's just I think we're talking about two different types of teams here. So we'll see what happens.
3: Today is Will Anderson yeah, Jr.'s uh,
4: birthday as well. So happy birthday to him. There you go.
3: Yeah, Alabama. Well, have y'all top seen top that piece right of
5: artwork done on him? Yeah, not right. Wow. No. You seen that, Jay? The pictures of that chalk painting they did in
3: Tuscaloosa. Oh, that's cool. I haven't wow. seen it yet. So uh, Alabama kicks off this campaign. Saturday is one of the biggest preseason national title favorites of the past twenty years. They're around plus 180 to win the college football playoff at sportsbooks around the nation. Since 2001, only USC's plus 160 in 2005, and Alabama's plus 175 in 2018 have better preseason championship odds, according to sportsoddshistory.com. Now, Alabama's a 41-point favorite over visiting Utah State on Saturday. They're expected to be favored by double digits in every game this season. Only 14 teams since 1978 have been favored by double digits every regular season game, according to ESPN stats and information. All right, we'll take a break we'll come back and continue live from avx audio video excellence continues
2: you're listening to the jay barker show live from the avx studios local customer analysis where you can see how many local customers in tuscaloosa you could be reaching online visit townsquarelocal.com today
0: and be the town square Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partially sunny this afternoon. The chance of a few scattered showers or storms through the evening hours. The high today, 90. Tonight's low, 71. Or tomorrow, cloudy at times with scattered to numerous showers and thunderstorms. The high at 85. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 85 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
1: as committed, you know, to doing the things that they do. And you you can relate it, you know, to your own life. You know, what what do you want somebody to say about you? You know, when you pass away, what do you want somebody to say about you? What do you want people to think about what you did? So it's almost like if you were a person and you could write your own obituary. So you would write what you wanted people to think about you. You would write what you wanted people to say about you. That would be your game plan for life. Because you wrote it, that's what you want everybody to think, so why don't you go live it? It's the same thing when you're talking about a football season, when you're talking about a football team. Alright, it's, alright, you want to create a legacy, you want to create, um, you know, what people are going to say about this team. You know, how do they compete, how do they play, what kind of intangibles they play with, what kind of discipline they have, what kind of character do they have, what kind of competitive toughness do they play with. And then you're you're really writing the legacy of that team, but you have to go do it. You have to live it. You have to play it every game. And it's difficult, you know, to to maintain the standard, you know, throughout the season that you have to. But it starts this Saturday. It starts now. And I mentioned it earlier. You know, there's more rat poison around than I've ever seen before. And our fans cannot be that way. If you want to be fans you need to support the team you need to be in you, have, you need to have energy and enthusiasm support the players they work hard uh, you go to the game uh, you 're not always disappointed because you have this great expectation that we 're going to win the game 50 to nothing hey these are young players who are working hard to try to be the best they can be they need to be supported they need your energy and enthusiasm that helps them maintain their kind of motivation that's going to help them no matter where we are get better for the future and um, so I encourage everybody to be positive and, um, you know, create a legacy for what we want to do this season. And you contribute to it in a positive way. All right, not in what I read, these guys write all the time, all right, about, all right, who can, how, how can Alabama run the table? I mean, well, can't you figure out something better to do than that? I mean, come on. We've we, we, we got to play one game at a time. All right, so... How can Alabama lose to this team? How can this team beat Alabama? Three months from now? Who gives a shit? <laughs> I mean, how about this game? How about the church of what's happening now? I right, like now. Can we focus on what's happening now? How come no one's interested in that? Why why do we have to go all the way anyway?
3: Uh, more rat poison and i felt bad for the media guy i don't know even who the media guy was in the middle i couldn't tell but um man I, he was uh talking about you know things you write looking out three months all that type of stuff i mean that's look that's what we do right that's what the media does you predict you talk about it you try to create a uh, conversation and stuff like that so uh i think it was a chase goodbread i think it was was the one that was uh, there so but the um i don't know your, your guys thoughts about what coach saban had to say last night hey coach
4: it's typical. I mean, it's typical. I mean, he's, he's got us uh, all looped. He's, he's, um, he's like a college football player. They want to hit someone else, right? They're tired of hitting each other. They want to get after and, and and obviously with all the practice and everything, he's ready to go. But that's just typical Nick Saban. Of course, he's playing to his crowd. He dropped an S-word, which he does almost once a year now during Hey Coach or whatever he's doing when he's live. Uh, and the fans absolutely love it. And, and, yeah, and he wants to get his – he wants to get his fan base fired. Up. I, I'm sorry.
6: If I'm sitting there next to Nick Saban, I have to respond to yeah. what he's saying about the media. Hey, we're the reason not everybody is focusing on Utah State is because Alabama's gonna beat them by about seventy five points. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course you're going to look at the bigger picture and you're writing about what fans want to read about. They don't want
5: this huge he breakdown. That. Don't you yeah. think he gets I, that? I know,
6: but but he well, he, he, reads he well, look, he he's, he's talking waiting. about he's talking about the church of now. Okay, like for if if my editor at Sports Illustrated wanted me to write about the church of now, I would be fired.
5: So, <laughs> oh, if he wanted you to do a, like a cover story
4: on Utah State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, I, agree. I mean, but, a, so a little out of line It's there. the same people that want to have a, an all-newscast of just good news. I mean, and, and because just, we don't yeah, want, just, to we want to see the news. We want to
6: see the train and, wreck. And, and if it bleeds and it it coming, bleeds coming, yeah. out of, uh, coming out of nowhere, blaming the media for something. I I don't know. Blaming the media for saying you're good? Yeah, as he makes those. I'm sorry. I, I, I took a little offense to that.
5: I want you all to look at something. After I was listening to all this stuff this morning, I came in. I, I go to ESPN College Football. Lars, read the first headline. That's ESPN, right? Yeah. On and ESPN.
6: it's what, what is the title? One of the big, a, Bama, one of the mm-hmm. biggest title favorites in 20 years. Mm-hmm. So
3: he's, he's
5: writing about the whole year, sure. right? Yeah. He's yeah. not writing about Utah State. Yeah. Lars's
3: point. That's the article I actually went out there when it went to the break with, when we were going to break when I was reading the stats about that. I mean, it really is amazing um, what what, what Alabama has accomplished, where they're at, and and also the view of it. But, yeah, when I I read that, or when I saw that last night, Lars, I thought the same thing. I was kind of like, okay, wait a minute. I mean, this is kind of – I mean, we can't sit and talk about Utah State for, you know, we have, what, six months leading into that game – um, at the same time, you know, I understand him from a coach. What, Again, I think his, what he does, even though he's pointing at some or media, why do you guys do this, whatever else, he's pretty much just talking to his players saying, don't pay attention to any exactly. of this stuff throughout the year. Take it one game at a time, you know, all the blah, 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 all that stuff that we know. So, you know, I, I think that's kind of a, just a megaphone or microphone or from, for him to kind of say that out there. but. And one thing that has been a part of him, though, for the last so many years and that he has said many times that, hey, coach, is support us. Be behind us. You know, don't worry about the score. These guys are out there. They're, they're you know, working their tails off. And uh, he's gotten, gotten very much about that as far as the fans. And the only thing I can say, if there's any booing or stuff going on, it's the guys gambling. And there's a lot of them in there gambling <laughs>
7: mm-hmm.
3: inside <Yeah>. the stadium. <laughs>
7: True.
3: They get but mad. everyone. Yeah, people. I,
6: I, he's just he he's annoyed. He's annoyed that everyone is focusing on Texas, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and, the, and exactly. the trip to Austin and and how they're going to be doing it. And uh, look, Utah State. You're right. They they uh, authored one of the great turnarounds in college football history last yep. year, mm-hmm. and uh, they're they're a solid team. And uh, of course, uh, Coach Saban's going to want his players to be laser focused on on the Aggies. But um, as fans, as media members, you can't help but look ahead to Texas and, uh, and, and revisit back the national championship game in 2009, Colt McCoy getting hurt, uh, the, the Marcel Darius hit. And, uh, you know, just there's a lot of interesting storylines. And, and new Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers, after making the million bucks at Ohio State, He comes in. Alabama's going to be facing him. And uh, Nick Saban facing Steve Sarkeesian, who's now the head Longhorns head coach. And, you know, there's there's a ton of uh, really compelling storylines that are just there on the horizon that media members are going to write about and talk about. Because, frankly, there's not a lot of interesting storylines against Utah
5: State. How many of the people that were clapping for Nick last night at Baumhauer's had already started talking about Texas? Oh, yeah. Or the yeah. potential of Alabama Ohio hey, State. Look,
4: if you
6: want to all get a cheap round of applause, if you want to get a cheap round of applause in anything, just tell tell people how much you hate the media. Yeah. <laughs> I mean True. and blame the media for all your problems. Uh we you know done we that are the the
3: the <laughs> devil
4: incarnate. <laughs> He's too nice a guy. Hey listen, the fact <laughs> that the media is so relevant that he takes a 15 minute segment during his own show to talk about it. Is, is is somewhat complimentary to you and what you do and what we do here on this radio show because last night he was on media to present his yeah. comments. Uh, he, Without any coach, I, he would I, not I be did. able to, on and, and Jay, I totally, yeah, and to. Jay, I totally agree with you. He has always used that show to talk to his football players. He yeah, loses the media to talk to his football players. And and Just like Gene mm-hmm. Stalling says, you don't think that Southern Miss is important, then lose that football lose game. That. And, and find
6: out. I, I did see the video of it and I, I, I wasn't I wasn't sure who the media member was, uh, but man, he was just sitting there. He actually, like back to chair. Was, up. Yeah, he was like stone faced, <laughs> and uh, it was very uncomfortable. He got red faced too. I would have liked to yeah. see.
5: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but. That guy needs to realize he's really not talking to him that much. No. He's trying to reach the players. Well, sure. well he it, said, it, it, just but, but he got guys that, like that, you.
3: That, <laughs> he kind of turned. Yeah, and he did. Now him. he did point him <laughs> out. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, I wouldn't
4: have, I I I wouldn't it have geez, doubted them if have asked that question. Him, they could but, have been standing off stage, and he, he could have said, "Hey, listen, yeah. ask your question." Or he said, "I may go off on you, but it's going to be okay." And I'm sure he talked to him afterwards. would Eli
3: have stepped in because Kristen? Would Eli stepped in and defended the media?
5: No. no. No, not at all. <laughs> no. No, no, no. No, 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 no. You never. See. I want to put Lars in that situation to see
6: him
3: blow up. No. Yeah, I, get, I, next I week, let me get I've him been, on there.
6: I've, I've been. <laughs> yes, please do. Uh, I've, I've been in that situation before. I've been on his show a few times and. Uh, He ask me, he said beforehand, hey, ask me whatever you want. And I started talking to him about his dad. Now his dad died at age 46, and did that give you a sense of urgency in your life to accomplish things at a young age? And then we kind of went down that road for a while. We go to break. Uh, He grabs me by the knee with his hand, and uh, I didn't realize how strong he was. And (laughs) he looks at me, and he's like, enough about my blanking dad, Lars. And I'm like, okay. Uh, and then uh, we came back out of break, and I asked him about the LSU how, secondary. How long was <laughs> the grip on,
5: on your leg? I'm just curious. It was uncomfortably long.
4: Whoa. He still <laughs> limps. Does Miss Terry have bruises? <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> still limp. I still have a yeah. yeah, you can you can still
6: see
5: uh, Coach Saban's uh, uh, f- <laughs> finger marks uh, dug into you my ever get those? left knee. I, I got a few of those from my dad. Remember, he could drive the car, and you would be oh. cutting up right behind him. And that arm car, whoo! <laughs> Same thing in church. Lars is not, <laughs> right on your thigh. Lars has not washed his knee since. Look, <laughs> there's an autograph. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah.
6: Yeah, next day an autograph my knee. All um, right, let's take
4: a quick break. No, we we'll we'll back not.
3: and uh, more on Alabama-Utah State. Talk about Texas. And, yeah, <laughs> Texas. We'll do that. <laughs> hey, I do want to talk about uh, Sanders' quarterback for um, uh, Oklahoma State. Man, what a game he had last night. His, his name's getting mentioned now as one of the you know top performers of the weekend we'll talk about that he had six touchdowns he accounted for for Oklahoma State last night and uh, we'll we'll get into that and much more coming up on the other side a lot of big games and matchups We're want to break down Brad Edwards again from formerly the ESPN and uh, we'll join us at 1:30 look forward to that he's an Alabama guy worked in the uh, uh, public relations department there at the University and uh, SID so great guy and always has A ton of information to share with us. So stay tuned. We'll be back. We're live from AVX. Built by Siebel's and made up with some of their best linens in town. Their staff can truly put your bed together like no other store. You can also follow Siebel's and shop on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to call or go by their special store in downtown Homewood. The number is 800 448 1962. That's 800 448 19 six two and just for listening go to seablescottage dot and order anything you want and type in jay barker for a special discount code that's Jay Barker for a special discount code available only to our listeners for a limited time on the Jay Barker show. Siebels in downtown Homewood are online at Siebels dot
9: letter O.
1: You know what I tell the players is I basically talk about culture. The players that played before you, no matter when they played, They have an expectation because they created a standard, a standard of excellence, whether it's the effort that they played with, the character that they played with, the competitive nature that they played with, Uh, no matter what, there's an expectation for how you're supposed to represent this institution, but how you're supposed to represent them. I always tell the story, and I might even have told it on this before, but... Now, it was three or four years ago. Julio Jones was here in the summer, and he was doing rehab, and it was really about the same time I got my hip replaced. And our players are out there in the summer workout program, and they do seven-on-seven, seven, and they have to do it on their own. And, um, I don't know, one of the receivers dropped the ball, kicked the ball, cussed the quarterback, cussed the defensive back that was, and Julio just called him over. Now, Julio hadn't played here for 10 years, and he said, that ain't the way we do it here. So that's the greatest example I can tell you about the culture that was established by these players through the tradition and the history of Alabama football and what their expectation is when they come back to see it. So um, that's the way I try to get the players to understand the importance of the culture and what it means to so many people. But even when I talk to the band, You know, I tell the band, you know, there's an expectation for, you know, when you come out the tunnel, when you play the fight song, whatever you do, there's a whole bunch of people out there that have an expectation of how you do it because you represent a tradition. And that's why we don't change uniforms all the time. You know, we wear the same uniform. They want to wear white helmets. Everybody wants to do this and that. To me, there's an expectation when we run out the tunnel, this is the brand. This is the culture. This is what people expect to see. And we have a responsibility and obligation to do it in a, in a certain, st- to a certain standard and a certain, you know, level of, of excellence and, and with a lot of character. So that's kind of how I try to preach it to them.
3: Coach Saban again from Hey Coach last night and uh, every Thursday night there from Bob Howards in Tuscaloosa. And um, you know, talking about the guys in the past and the expectations, uh, we all felt that no matter how uh, now, back in 90, uh, 90 when I got to Alabama, all the way through the mid-90s, and uh, also the guys that came before me and after, there's expectations from the fans. More importantly, expectations from the guys who played there. Coach is exactly right. And uh, the, those guys come back and, Let you know about it and uh, what it means to win championships. And they've done a lot of that, especially the last 15 years. Alabama right now poised to have the most NFL players for the sixth straight season. And uh, if you look at Alabama, as far as the, the breakdown for them, when the National Football League kicks off its uh, season next week, and I want to credit real quick, Alabama uh, Central, Chris Walsh, and the guys putting these numbers together. Uh, but uh, the National Football League kicks off next uh, this season. The Alabama football program is on pace to have 57 active players on various 53-man rosters. The league credits Jalen Hurts to Oklahoma, he says, but we claim him for the Crimson Tide as well because he was a starter, finished his degree before transferring. So officially it will be 56, not 57, without Jalen. That should lead the nation again as the Buckeyes now has reported that 51 former Ohio State players survived the final cuts on Tuesday. Alabama also will have 13 more additional uh, non-active players who are on some form of injury reserve or on a practice squad. Among them, running back Brian Robinson Jr., wide receiver Jameson Williams, and uh, are expected to rejoin their teams in about a month. With the Houston Texans now signing O.J. Howard and placing uh, rookie linebacker Christian Harris in the injured reserve with the wide receiver John Metchie III on reserve, non-football injury list. There are only four teams that don't have an active Crimson type player. We brought this up the other day. 28 teams have one. But it's the Bills, the Chiefs, the 49ers, and the Seahawks. And here's a little bit of a breakdown for you guys real quick. We can talk more about it. But quarterbacks, there's three now in the NFL. That's just unbelievable it is, oh, since probably the 70s. There hadn't been that many, right? 70s or 80s, I guess. Uh, running back six, wide receiver six, tight ends two. And here's what's important. Offensive line 10, defensive line 11, linebackers five, defensive backs 13. If you're a defensive back and you got the GOAT coaching you every day in practice, helping you prepare to get that next level, guys even didn't get on the field until later in their careers, still playing in the NFL right now because of that, and the fundamentals they got taught and special teams they got won. You guys' thoughts on that breakdown?
5: Gee, let's go recruit on those numbers. Please. Yeah, it's not surprising.
6: Not surprising. Uh-huh. Uh, Alabama does a better job than any program in the country in getting players ready to play in the NFL. And that's uh, what Nick Saban preaches when he is uh, out recruiting. That's uh, what
4: his assistants preach. And uh, the, the proof is just right in the numbers. And to think after Nick Saban's first season at Alabama, he didn't have one, one player drafted in the nfl not one
5: you know the one thing one part of it does surprise me based on alabama's heritage it doesn't surprise me because nick changed his game and went to the offense went to spread went to throw in the football but alabama didn't have don hudson and uh dennis holman Mm -hmm. i think were the only guys i remember playing in the nfl that were wide wide receivers at alabama they just didn't use them he's done a great
4: job at adapting Mm -hmm. Yep. to the game and how it's changed. Jay, I remember doing the show with you, and he came out and said, listen, is this hurry-up thing? Is this what we're doing now? Is, I, I, I want to know. Are we going to be changing the rules again? Is this what we're going to do? Because everyone thought that he was fighting this change that was obviously very successful uh, at the level in the NCAA and college football, and he adopted it and, and just went off. No one thought that Nick Saban was going to be that guy that was going to put up 50 points a game, and now it's expected week in and a week out.
6: Speaking yeah. of one of those players in the NFL, Jay, uh, some news coming out of Miami that Tua was voted one of the Dolphins' team captains. And first time in his NFL career that Tua uh, has been voted a captain, and uh, Coach Mike McDaniel came out and said uh, – that Tua was the, quote, resign, resounding highest point winner and that it spoke to the level of confidence his teammates have in him. Uh, do you read anything into this, Jay? Um, I can't remember if Tua was a captain at Alabama or not, but um, the, the, the fact that, uh, you know, I think no quarterback in the NFL is under more scrutiny this year than Tua. Because uh, where he is uh, entering third year, uh, the, the Dolphins are going to have to make a decision on whether or not to exercise his option uh, for his fifth year uh, after this season. So they're, they're basically, this is to his season to shine. And if he doesn't, I, w- I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if Miami moved on from him. And also just the fact that Justin Herbert was drafted right behind Tua, and he's always going to be compared to him. And Herbert has had such a a great start to his NFL career. But uh, yeah, but Jay, what what do you uh, what's your assessment analysis of Tua being voted captain?
3: It's a great thing. I mean, I'm not surprised by that, and and I honestly can't remember sometimes guys that come out early uh, don't uh, get uh, a, a chance to be a captain. But I think he was. I'm almost positive. Remember seeing him at the captain ceremonies. But you look at um, as far as the, the, the talent around him now, what they've gone out and gotten at the receiver position, other guys around him, office seems to have more cohesiveness. Uh, I think for him, you know, that first year, I kind of just threw that one away, you know, sitting uh nah. I mean he coming back from a hip injury just to get on the field was just amazing uh, that he was able to do that and still didn't do too bad. I mean his numbers weren't great but they weren't bad. Uh the, you know last year he struggled and I think this year is is key and and guess what uh Matt and and, and guys you, you get a chance to open up against your former teammate Mac Jones and the New England Patriots.
4: Yeah, I mean he's got some work to do and it's funny because like again um I guess the middle of last year everyone was talking about uh you know, Miami could be in the hunt to go out in the free agency and go bring in another quarterback. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like Tom Brady. So the fact Mm -hmm. that Tua now has been picked as a a captain should say, what is at least his teammates – and his coaching staff, believe it him. 16 touchdowns, 10 picks last year. That was uh, about 18th in the league. So he's right smack dab in the middle. But that's not what they brought him board. But like you said, Jay, sometimes it has to do with the lead line. It has to do with the players that are catching the football. And we know how accurate it is. He came in the middle of the halftime of a national championship game and one for Alabama. So we know what kind of numbers mm-hmm. he can put up. So we'll see what happens. I uh, hope yeah, so, the best
3: i amazing. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at more of these numbers that uh, Bama Central put out with the nfl stuff i was reading through this morning and and, and i've forgotten they actually did a uh, back from 2015 to now to 2022 the number of guys in the league and so as you talked about what oh, i guess it was 07 that they didn't have um anybody drafted and that number began to build over the years and in 2015 there was 34 guys drafted uh 35 in 2016 39 in 2017 I mean, I'm sorry, in the NFL, not drafted. 34, 35, 39. 39 was actually tied for the most in the NFL at that time. Then they went back down to 35 in 2018, back down or up to 39, which, again, uh, was actually led all colleges. This was in 2019. So 2019, 39 led all colleges. Uh, 2018, 44 led all colleges. 2019, 56 led all colleges. 2020, 53, led all colleges in the NFL. 2021, 54, led all colleges in the NFL. 2022, 56, or 57, if you count Jalen. Right now in active rosters, they lead the NFL. So pretty amazing what's gone on and uh, what they've done. Also, uh, uh, Tua did not – well, he wouldn't have made the top 100 anyway NFL guys. I think would, four guys made that list of top 100 NFL guys. But, um, yeah, I think that's going to be – I look forward to watching that matchup between him and Mac.
5: Yep, must-see TV. Hey, guys, a couple of things struck me as odd um, in and interesting in the Purdue game concerning a couple of Purdue players. I want to share that with you on the other side of our break. Sure. All right, sounds we good. We also got to get into Tom Brady. Yeah, we do. Yeah, man. Now we'll we know good. why he was gone. Big, Big another tease.
3: Big news. Mm-hmm. Big news. All right, we'll be back. We're live from ABX on this Friday edition. Again, Brad Edwards will join us at one thirty. so stay tuned for that. We'll be back.
2: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the A- Get what you need for better fuel efficiency at any of our 6,200 stores or on AutoZone.com. Get in
3: zone,
7: AutoZone.
3: Restrictions apply. Tide
0: 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partially sunny this afternoon, the chance of a few scattered showers or storms through the evening hours. The high today, 90, tonight's low, 71. Tomorrow, cloudy at times with scattered to numerous showers and thunderstorms, the high at 85. I'm James Spam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 85 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
4: You what were one of the toys, toys man, in the man. attic. I was the original uh, synthesizer. What I was doing. Meow, meow, meow. Peter Franklin. Hi, tease. Just a little bit
5: more. Oh, uh, yeah, I did. Uh, I don't know if y'all. I was flipping around when I got back from the UAB game, trying to catch his, and catch up as much as possible. But I happened to flip over. And Chris Jefferson for Purdue, mm-hmm. defensive back, had picked off a pass. Yep. And he went weaving through, and he scored a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And then they, boy, magic TV, and I guess just flat-out luck or bad luck, they managed to have a drone right over him as he was heaving, and then he heaved. I, know, right. I mean, he painted the he painted the carpet yellow right mm-hmm. there in front of the entire world. You would have thought he was an offensive on the field, runner right? from Scott Frost. He left, literally, yeah. he left his pregame right there. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is I continue to watch that game, and I've noticed this over football in the last few years, where have knee pads gone? They're, I mean, the guy number 15 for Purdue, Charlie Jones, was wearing the equivalent of yoga pants. Yeah. yeah. Little. I mean, there's no knee. No, they don't wear knee pads. Don't they worry about taking a direct hit? Or is the pad so flimsy it wouldn't help? Jay, I'll ask you because you wore them. When you were playing, did you make sure the pad came over your knee, or was you it?
3: Had up? You had to. It was a rule. So you had, right. you had to come over your That's knee. The I guys thought. tried to pull them up, you know, and then we got the NFL, and it was kind of like they didn't really police it as much as long as your sock, because the socks went into the into the uh, pants anyway, or up to that high. Um, but yeah, now I don't think they care. I don't. Th- I think they've kind of gotten away from making that a rule and saying do whatever you want to do. And um, I, yeah, you take a shot on that knee with. A helmet, but uh, maybe guys. I think a lot of some of the guys in high school now, their pants are, are so short they just they like it that way. The, uh, the Spencer uh, it, the Spencer to Sanders, the Sanders, you don't know if you saw his were like shorts on last night for Oklahoma State. Yeah, that they guy were. had an unbelievable yeah. game four touchdowns and, and ran two more as well.
4: You know what's amazing too about that, job. Jane? I was sitting there watching that game uh, late yesterday. Uh, Daniel Richardson, the, the cat from the Chippewas, they won nine mm-hmm. games last year. His QBR was actually better than Sanders last night, but everyone's talking about Sanders because he had the four touchdowns and, of course, obviously the two rushing. But uh, the Daniel Richardson kid, he he had four touchdowns as well in one pick, yeah. but uh, obviously he not did. the run of the. Four hundred twenty-four yards. Was, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Wow,
6: I actually thought Central Michigan played pretty well, and uh, they were down. 30,
4: they were down thirty-five. Uh, and they came back. The game, he came back. And, yeah, and they lost by back. fourteen. 14 so they they didn't. Game. They didn't
6: give up, and that's uh, a reflection of their coach, mm-hmm. who's somebody I like very much. That's Jim McElwain, mm-hmm. oh. former Alabama OC, former Florida head coach. It all it all circles back to Alabama. Last you know that. that. Speaking of uh,
4: head coaches, I was asking you during the break your thoughts on on Mike Gundy. What, what do you listen? Let, let, let's let's get through the mullet. Let's get through the hair. The look. Uh, He's been there for a long period of time. Uh, He's got a lifetime deal. Basically, he's making $5 million a year. He did win 12 games last year. Uh, That was the first time that he'd actually uh, won a conference, uh, or or at least the division side, for the first time in 10 years. He has won 12 games twice in his career there, Uh, and and, and obviously before that, I think he went uh, eight wins, eight wins, and seven wins, but... One of those guys, as long as he He, wins 9, 10, 11 games, he's good forever there?
6: Yes.
7: Yeah. uh, Yeah. Do you like that as a college
6: football fan? He's beloved there. Uh, I've spent some time in Stillwater. Uh, They have really nice facilities. He won his 150th game last Mm -hmm. night. And, um, you know, his offenses are typically pretty exciting. He likes to air it out. He's a former quarterback. Uh, He he, he works hand-in-hand with the quarterbacks. And he's had a long list of very successful college quarterbacks. And uh, yeah, I mean, they. Th- this is a team to me. It's a program. Again, it's it's Boone Pickens. It's all of his money yep. uh, that that went into building that stadium uh, and uh, and the program. But to me, uh, Oklahoma State's a program that's like once every ten years they'll have a legit shot at making the playoffs, and then.
4: Once every 10 years. He reminds yeah. me a little bit of Tommy Tupperville towards the end of his Auburn career. Do you how many
5: times he's won the conference? Out
4: right. no, that's outright? Zero. Three times. Yeah, once. Once. Yeah, yeah, once. And he's tied three times, yeah. Just one of those things where you get what you get, and you're, I guess you're just happy with it, and you have an opportunity perhaps to play in a, a playoff.
3: But, it that was... we didn't get to Brady, we'll have to do that next hour. Let's do it. We'll do it. And uh, I never met, met him, but I have met his brother, and his brother was awesome, so... Maybe, yeah. that, maybe he's the same way. All right, uh, we'll get to the top of the hour. Hour number two coming up next. Brad Edwards will join us, formerly of ESPN. We'll talk a lot of stats with him. He'll join us at one thirty. Stay with us. We're live from ABX.
9: That's G O F A N dot letter
3: C letter O. Birmingham's best Mexican restaurant for over twenty years and counting. That's La Paz Restaurant in Crestline Village and Mount Laurel. They've got a great staff, its delicious menu, award-winning cheese dip and margaritas, and vibrant atmosphere have helped to make La Paz a local favorite. Blue corn nachos, Texas barbecue quesadillas, steak and blue quesadillas, Baja fish tacos, signature fajitas, and much much more. So head over to La Paz today if you want a great lunch or a great dinner. You'll find all that at La Paz Crestline.
1: That would be my message to everybody here. Make a difference and help everybody's spirit in a positive way. God
2: bless you and roll tight.
3: Welcome back in. Hour number two. We got Brad Edwards at the bottom of the hour, formerly with ESPN, and just a great uh, guy to talk to and uh, went to Alabama, part of the SID department there when I was there. And uh, I've had a great career at ESPN now, kind of freelancing, and uh, wrote a book last year dealing with a lot of the stats and numbers for the uh, the rise of, of what's happened in Alabama under Nick Saban over the last 14, 15 years. But uh, he'll be joining us at 1.30, bottom of the hour. Here in the hour number two, we are presented by Top Golf of Birmingham. Get out to Top Golf; you'll love it with family, friends, or coworkers. Great place to go out and cheer on shots, laugh at some, but enjoy the food, the drinks, the atmosphere. You'll love. Top golf at Birmingham, great spot as well for tailgating before, or after any events at Protective Stadium or those UAB games as well. Uh, get out there and support your teams and uh, enjoy top golf. Also, we're driven by Sunny King Ford on the sunny side of the street. Oxford Anderson, goodbye. See Tony Russell and all the great folks at Sunny King Ford. All right, uh, coming up this weekend, Alabama, Utah State again tomorrow night, six thirty on the SCC Network. If you're not in BDS, Brian Denny Stadium. Also, honorary captains for tomorrow night, Roy Upchurch and Terrence Cody. We'll see whether or not Terrence will maybe throw his helmet off again, try to block Hmm. a kick. But uh, we got Tony Curry, Radio (laughs) Network in the house, Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson. Tony, real quick before we get started, tell everybody how they can find you.
4: Yeah, go to uh, your Android or Apple store and uh, pull up TKR, Tony Curry Radio. It's uh, made it super easy with three initials, TKR, and download the TKR app like uh, hundreds of thousands of folks have already done. It's classic rock. To the bone, 24 hours a day outside our 13 shows. And we're going to have uh, Kip Kiefer from the uh, Birmingham Racecourse Casino uh, join us here next week. Uh, he's got a show called Wanna Bet. It airs on WTTU every Saturday morning. You can also hear that on Tony Curry Radio uh, at 9, 11, 1, and 3 on Saturdays. And he gives picks. And, of course, Case, his son, works at Caesars out in Las Vegas. So that's where they do the show from. It's fantastic. Awesome. They went 3-1 and this past week. He went 37-18 and last year. He does have Utah State plus the 42 against Alabama Coming up tomorrow, so we'll see what happens. But 37. Thank you so much for uh, 37. There you go. Hey, Jaybird. Uh, Lars is 1-0. I know, right? That's right. I used to do uh, my bone picks, and it was horrible. Uh, Trouble in Paradise. Tom Brady, Giselle Bunchin. I know this is a juicy story. A lot of people jumping on board. Um... Why don't you,
6: you give us the overview of what yeah, well, uh, you know, obviously reported? Obviously, Tom,
4: was, Tom was, was, was hard to find uh, during uh, OTAs and certainly spring practice and practice in general before the season. And people were like, what's going on? He finally came back and said, after living, missing 11 days of training in August, when quizzed about his disappearance, he said, it's all personal. Everyone's got different situations they're dealing with. We all have really unique challenges in our life. I'm 45 years old, 45 years old man. He said, there's a lot going on. A uh, second source came out yesterday that said there's been trouble in the marriage between him and Giselle over his decision to unretire. Giselle's always been the one with the kids. They had agreed he would retire to focus on the family. Then he changed his mind. In May, Bunchen told British Vogue, I don't think relationships just happen. It's never the fairy tale that everyone wants to believe it is. It takes work to be really in sync with someone, especially after you have kids. His focus is on his career. Mine is mostly on the kids. She said, if Ouch. he's going to keep playing, then so will I. And, of course, in a 2020 interview with Howard Stern, Brady admitted she felt like I would play football season and then she'd take care of the house. She wasn't satisfied with our marriage, so I needed to make a change in that, so I retired. Her point was, well, yeah, of course, this works for you. It all works for you, but it doesn't work for me. Um, And so we're finding out now that uh, perhaps uh, it's coming at a cost. He said everything that you do in a marriage, every decision you make, quote-unquote, comes to a cost. And so we're finding out that perhaps she left, by the way, to go to Costa Rica. Not sure if she took the kids with her, if that was a scheduled trip or not, but she took off just before the NFL season starting next weekend, which is kind of rare. Um, and so I hope, uh, I hope they can figure it out and work it out. But, again, this has been
6: going on for a long time, as you just mentioned. And yeah. when mm-hmm. I was uh, working on my book, Season in the Sun, mm-hmm. um, I discovered that uh, Giselle, uh, back in 2018, uh, wrote Tom a long letter uh, listing basically her grievances with him. And it was just, it was little, I mean, they sound like little things, but they're actually very big things. This being present, being a dad, uh, taking the kids to school, picking them up from school. I mean, just simple things around the house. And I know they have more money than they could ever spend, but still you have to do little things around the house to help. And uh, and Tom kept that letter and he kept it in his nightstand. And he told me that he would read it like once a week to remind himself that he can't take Giselle for granted. He yeah. can't take his family for granted. He can't take his marriage for granted. And uh, and now with these reports coming out, I got to say it's, it's not surprising because it, it seemed like she was very much on board with him retiring. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it's, it should be kind of her time. Right. He needs to shoulder a a larger burden of the of the family responsibilities because she has been managing the household for so long, because, as you just mentioned, for tom the season never really ends it's yep. just you're not playing games but he, during the off season but he is working out every single day uh essentially and he he's just gone and not only physically gone but but mentally he's not there you know he's just it's football twenty four seven and that is what has made him such a great player but it has come Matt at a big cost and and I know. A lot of these reports are like New York Post, page six, but I, yeah. I, I tend to believe them. I, I really do.
5: Can you imagine getting up in that huge house in Tampa and being the only one in it? No kids, no sounds. To me, that would be lonely. incredibly lonely. Yes. And I don't care if, if you're Tom Brady or Joe Burrow or Matt Coulter. If you've got that going on in your social life, we're going to see it. We're gonna, and we're gonna and see it's going it to happen on the field. It's going to manifest on the field. And then, I, then I believe when that 100%. He, when he has a bad season, it's just really going to look bad uh, because
4: he should have retired. There's probably the thought that, <laughs> probably that, that, that retired. this will be motivation for him to win an eighth championship. And and I yeah. tend to, to go with you guys that I believe this is probably going to follow him uh, onto the football field. He did say he wanted to play when he was 45. He's 45. I'm going to go out, and I don't think this is a very big limb, and say that if he doesn't retire after the season, they're probably not going to have a marriage. Because at some point, they've got all the money in the world. And, Jake, you know this. It doesn't matter. I mean, we we talked to Bobby Bowden numerous times. He didn't want to retire because he felt like he was going to die the minute he gave a football. It was his life. It it, it Mm -hmm. characterized who he was. Tom Brady's got another second half of his life, and he needs to spend it with his lovely bride and his three kids. And I understand that if he feels like he can still perform and still win championships, and you have that fire in your blood, that's what you've done your entire life. That's what... He's the greatest football player in the history of the National Football League. As a fan, I don't want to see him retire. But as a former guy who was married and went through a divorce, I want to see him retire. But you know what? This reminds me of Sharon and Ozzy Osbourne a lot. (laughs) She made Ozzy retire in the mid-'90s. She said, you've got to spend time with your kids. You can't stay on the road. He was hitting everything that moved. He was doing drugs. He was was probably going to die. He retired. They moved back to England for nine months. He was absolutely miserable. She made him get out. She said, you know what? I know it's not good for our marriage, but I know it's what you love to do. You're going to die on stage, and it needs to be that way. And she pushed him back out the door. And he's going on tour in a couple of months. And, of course, he just had, like, 17 screws. He's got a screwdriver and a hammer in his back and everything else. How can else. he possibly go he on just tour? A, mean- she just played a show two weeks ago. So he but that's what he wants to do he loves to perform on stage and you have to have a wife that understands that and i don't i don't fault giselle at all for this i no, don't no, i, not I, I at don't all. i don't fault her for i get where he's coming from but at one point you got to either pick and i was talking to dr josh claypo or morning. you got to either pick marriage or your football I, I, we can't do both anymore yeah. and, and and your kids are not getting any younger i know i think he's a great dad i think he, he loves, he's a doting father I think he really enjoys being around his kids, but I also think he cannot turn the football machine off in his brain. And I I think that's just who he is. And it's unfortunate that they can't make it work, but hopefully they can. Because I look at them and go, man, if they can make it work, it it motivates me for my next relationship. If they can figure it out, we think just because you have all the money in the world that a marriage is going to be perfect. It makes Mm. it more difficult. Yeah, It really does. You know that because you're a rich man. (laughs)
6: <laughs> yeah, uh, and and kids
3: make it more difficult.
6: Absolutely, yeah, and, and, and no, no question about it. But uh, Jay, your your thoughts on on the, on this Brady story that's coming out?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I remember you talking about that letter or those those points that she made about that. I guess a couple of years back, and and um, you know, I, I think for him, there's kind of an expiration date, right? I mean, and he made it 45. He kind of said, "I just want to make it to 45." Um, I I do think the odds of him retiring this year after this year would be great, uh, if not at Mm -hmm. 1,000%. But I would say that most time in modeling and the things that she's doing in life and the things that she wants to do in her career, she could probably do those things at some level for the rest of her life. He can't. I mean, he can't play the rest of his life. He can go into coaching or do other things. I don't think he'll go back into football based on – what the conversation that they're having. I think she was just a little disappointed, and, and I guess that's where the arguments began, and, and that's what they pretty much put in those articles talking about. There's just been a lot of fighting from the sources that have been close to them. There's just been a lot of fighting between them, and she's upset with him going back and all that. So, um, you know, look, he, he brings home a lot of bacon. She does too. So there's, you know, that kind of levels out the playing field. And But, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, he, he's got a choice and choice decision actually, to make, and he wasn't willing to give it up yet.
6: She brings home more bacon. Uh, she she has actually yeah, I mean, made yeah. she has made more money than Tom Brady which is
3: uh, I don't know if she has now but, but, but I think she did early on in, in their career but she's she's given up a lot herself over the last few years for him to stay in the game they've been, oh, married, that,
7: yeah.
4: they've yep. been married for over 13 years so she, some she, time there and... one of the children is is not hers. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and she so has been incredibly Jack, gracious right, about that. His, Jack, Jack lives time. in
6: uh, New York City with uh, Bridget Moynihan, was it? Yeah. yeah. It was Bridget he yeah. That was dating
4: Giselle while he was having that child, right?
6: She was yeah. pregnant. Yeah. I mean, that is like Tom Brady's greatest accomplishment was convincing the world's most beautiful woman to marry him while he has another woman about ready to have his baby. Here's the goat, man.
4: <laughs> Here's the goat. He's a Nick Cannon. She uh, a big CSI fan. <laughs> there you go. Well, I, I hope it works out for them. I really do. I mean, me it really does. and yep. it, It's going to be really interesting because this is going to, there's going to, be I hope story, it works out going to be a ton of storylines coming out when Tampa Bay takes the football field next weekend. Especially if they that much. lose. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
7: Hey, guys, I got, I
8: got to
5: do a baseball. Give me, give me 60 seconds of baseball on the other side. Sure. Something happened last we'll night that went unnoticed with the Braves that was just one of the most incredible performances in the history of Braves baseball.
3: That's and, I, and I will say this to finish this off. I don't know if you guys saw the picture of him at the podium and they had pictures of him from like June and then pictures of him in late July. He looked so much older in July than he did in June from all the Uh-oh. stress probably he's gone through over the last month and a half or so. All right, so let's take a break. We'll come back and continue. Hour number two. Again, Brad Edwards at the bottom of the hour, one thirty will join us formally with ESPN get his thoughts on Alabama, Utah State and much more.
2: This is The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. A national championship team
0: covering a
6: national... Loyal, just like how you acted like that wasn't his fault. Someone should clean that up before he gets hurt.
0: Yes, loyal, just like that. 10 years of FR.com. Terms and conditions apply. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partially sunny this afternoon. The chance of a few scattered showers or storms through the evening hours. The high today, 90. Tonight's low, 71. Or tomorrow, cloudy at times with scattered to numerous showers and thunderstorms. The high at 85. I'm James Spam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 88 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
3: Traveling to the Crips of Tides in Bryant-Denny Stadium tomorrow night at 6.30. You can watch it on the SEC Network. I want to remind you as well, no cash allowed in, or not allowed, but no cash will be able to buy things uh, inside Bryant-Denny Stadium uh, this year. And uh, probably from here on out, there will be machines at different concourses. I think it's like con- down the bottom floor and on the top floor that you can go to and actually get a, a fan card uh, that you can use. It's a MasterCard, so you will be able to use it outside the stadium where MasterCard is taken. But just want to remind everybody about that as they're heading to T-Town. Uh, coming up tomorrow. But, to Matt, you had a quick baseball tease.
5: Spencer Strider, who I have really, really liked since the first time I saw him pitch early in the season, he came in in a relief. You know, he's he's wearing the, uh, the porn star-looking mustache, mm-hmm. and he's a Clemson guy, by the way, and he's bringing in at 100 miles an hour. Well, he had a start last night against the Rockies. He... Struck out 16 batters, walked zero, nada. That good. is a Braves record. That's a Braves <laughs> record now. It's really, uh, And he passed guys like um, John Smoltz and the, the legend Warren Spahn. Over the first, I'm going to give you this one more stat, and then oh. we'll move back to football. Over the first four innings, he
4: threw 42 pitches. It's amazing, and he's he's the only he's only the fourth rookie in Major League Baseball history to strike out sixteen yeah. batters and have zero walks. The other three cats: Dwight Gooden, Kerry Wood, and John Gray. So he's oh, in some good company. Kerry Reed, Wood, I mean, yeah. Man, I mean, he was so good for so little. He really was such a long,
5: a little amount of time. But anyway, um, he's one of the reasons as a third starter in their rotation that uh, Atlanta could go deep. Anyway, uh, there's my little Braves update for you guys. A lot of caves
6: six so tony um, alabama as far as i can tell is a 42 point favorite mm-hmm. is that the number you're seeing
4: yeah, yeah i'm seeing forty-one and a half. it was the same as uh uab last night as a matter of fact all right
6: so uh give us your analysis here does alabama cover the spread
4: um you know, I, 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 a lot of people are looking at this first game that Utah State had against a really, really bad UConn squad. Uh, they let UConn run for over 250 yards on the ground. Uh, and, and, again, I don't put a lot of stock in first games regardless who they play because you're not going to show everything you've got. Uh, we are talking about a team that went from one win to 11 wins last season. They won the Mountain West. So it's a good football team. I think Coach Anderson's going to be there for as long as he probably wants. Of course, he was – Uh, North Carolina for a while, came from Arkansas State. He's a good guy. Uh, The Aggies did rank 100th last year in red zone efficiency. Once they get inside the red zone, they strike outside the 20. If you get them inside the red zone, I don't know what they're going to do against that Alabama defense, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, They can run the football as well. Uh, And they finished last season as a top 25 team. So if you want to look at this as a top 25 win, you could possibly do this for the Crimson Tide based on last year's rankings. Utah State 6-63 and against AP-ranked teams. They do have that longest active winning streak on the road at eight games right now. Uh, the interesting little uh, tidbit I found is Coach Anderson's teams, if they score 20 or more points, they're 12-1 and overall. So you are going to hold Utah State, the Aggies, under 20 points. I think Pam Adopt probably does that. But I also think... That, like, a lot of times, you want to play as many players as you possibly can. I think Alabama wins the game, but I don't know if they get it by 42. That's a big number.
6: Yeah, this is uh, Lars's loser game here. All right. So, um, so yeah, Utah uh, State, they played a really bad UConn team last week, and they trailed, as we know, 14-0, come back to win 31-20, and they were 24-point favorites in that mm-hmm. game. Um, and UConn, they ran the ball Easily against them They averaged 6.3 yards of carry So you got to figure that this is going to be a big game for, for Gibbs and company However, I'm going with the Aggies here uh, Taking the 41 and a half Just because of the long history Of Nick Saban Taking the Taking the, 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 the Foot off the gas Gosh, thank you Gosh, could not get the metaphor I was thinking throttle uh, throttling, throttling, throttling back, throttling back. Yeah. Foot off the gas, uh, yes, uh, letting the air out of the balloon. I think
4: it's going to be a nail biter. <laughs> I do think. I think. I think you're going to have to sweat it out at the end. I but, think they are uh, by 34, I, 33. You may sweat win. it out as far as the spread. is concerned. Yeah, I'm
6: taking uh, Utah State right. here. I'm,
4: I'm I'm going big with the Aggies. There you go. The last time Alabama, of course, played Utah State 2005 when they won by 32, 35 to three. They did not cover in that game as well. Well, you remember last year they played Mercer. Mm-hmm. Mercer kind of.
5: Put up their dues. Uh, They didn't cover that. Was it 41 14? Was the final? Does Auburn
4: uh, cover against Mercer tomorrow? Uh, They didn't even set a line on it. You know, I I think I I would take Auburn in that game just because I think Brian Harson wants to take out some frustrations. I think he'll run it up as much as he possibly can if if he gets the opportunity. Can he? You might be right. Yep.
5: Yep. I I think think we saw
4: that with Tennessee last night with Josh Heupel. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. He he laid the wood last night. He was throwing the football when they were up 52 to nothing. I was like,
6: wow. And also, Tony, when's the last time a team went from a 24-point favorite to a a 41.5-point underdog? It's been a while.
4: (laughs) I can't remember that ever happening. UConn is is a really bad football team, but they did run the football.
5: Auburn's a 31-point favorite, according to my man Gary Harris. Yeah. Wow, uh, I thought it was forty-one. That's that's a that's a big difference. You're uh,
6: liking you, know,
4: like it. you to change your uh
6: well, Leonard's thir- thir- losers thir- there, well, Lars 30, losers. <laughs> thirty-one
4: is uh, yeah, thirty-one's.
5: Uh, well, losers. You what did you, you say? You
6: told me forty-one and a half.
4: No, I said Alabama and UAB were forty-one and a half. Auburn. Uh, uh, no, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I yeah, thought you were talking uh, about no uh, Auburn, uh, Alabama. Auburn. Auburn is thirty-one. You can come out with two plays if you want, if you feel good no, about it. No, I... Do you want to take Auburn I, minus the 31? Uh,
6: I would take Auburn, yes, yes. Okay. But that's not That's not the, the that's loser not bet. The loser yeah, bet. Okay. I, this is, this is uh, sticking just with one at a time here.
4: So, so when you're right, it's actually a winner, but you're calling it Lars loser. Yeah, yes. no,
6: I can't get into yes. that because I'll get very confused. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it is very confusing. Well, excusing. he's playing
4: both sides of the fence is what he's doing. So, okay, okay, so you know, that allows games, like like a you a
5: loophole on both ends.
4: It really does. Okay, okay. Some you, guys are, you guys are, ah, you
8: guys are that,
5: figuring uh, me out here. That's <laughs> that, <laughs> that, <laughs> that Ivy League education <laughs> once again. He's, Somebody, he's snookering uh, <laughs> the Southern boys. <laughs> the twisted logic.
3: Some of the uh, uh, game notes that uh, I was reading through, Alabama ranked for the uh, 230th consecutive week. The longest active streak in college football. Utah State won both of their games against Power Five opponents last season, beating Washington State 26-23, then topping uh, Oregon State 24-13 in the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. Uh, Alabama is riding a 20-game winning streak in the home opener, including a 15-0 record under Saban. We brought that up earlier. The average margin in such games during Saban's tenure has been 30 points. It's uh, only the third time Utah State has faced the number one team, and first uh, time was uh, or since 1984, the Aggies are 0-2. Uh, Utah State receiver Xavier Williams spent four seasons at Alabama catching three uh, three passes for 24 yards and appearing in 12 games. So he's coming back home uh, to University of Alabama with Utah State. That's Xavier Williams. All right, let's take a break. we got Brad Edwards coming up next, formerly of ESPN, and a uh, great friend of the show. He'll be joining us, talking this game, and much more. Stay with us. Two six nine. and shop on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to call or go by their special store in downtown Homewood. The number is 800-448-1962. That's 800-448-1962. And just for listening, go to dot Cottage.com and order anything you want and type in J. Barker for a special discount code. That's Jay Barker for a special discount code available only to our listeners for a limited time on the Jay Barker Show. Siebel's in downtown Homewood or online at Siebel's Cottage.com.
9: letter O.
3: thoughts about all things college football. Brad worked in SID when I was in college and uh, we've been able to keep up together and had a great book come out last year as well. And I'll start there. How's the book been? How's it been going? And give everybody, give a little plug for
10: it. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate you having me. Um, uh, Book sales uh, went really well last season. Um, You know, very slow off season. You kind of expect that when you, you lose in the national championship game. You kind of puts a damper on on everybody's uh, feelings and, and excitement uh throughout the off season uh but uh just saw sales tick up a little bit in August and looking forward to games being played again everybody getting excited about Alabama football again and uh and uh, you know we'll see how book sales go uh this year but uh yeah you know, the the topic of the book is as you know just the level of domination of Alabama football in the Saban era, it's it's not that they've dominated. That's obvious. But, but it's how dominant and putting it into perspective with numbers. And uh, obviously um, that to some extent continued last year and that they made it the national championship game. But this season's team feels like uh, it's in a position to do a lot of what we had seen prior to last year where they weren't just winning, but they were winning big and winning comfortably. And I know that's rat poison. You know, we're not allowed to say that. <laughs> yeah. can't talk about right. that. But, but you know, on paper, this looks like a team that has the potential um, to to have very few competitive games, I guess would be a good way to say it.
3: The name of the book is Dynasty by the Numbers. Dynasty by the Numbers by Brad Edwards. And he also has a podcast called Fourth and Manageable. Um, I guess kind of tell us where you're at right now in, in your career and, you know, work for ESPN. For so many years, we talked a little bit about this last time you were on, but just kind of yeah. update us on where, where where Brad Edwards is and how people can find you.
10: Yeah, so when I finished up at ESPN, you know, I already had in my head, I, I want to write this book. And so I, I wrote the book. I self-published it. And I realized shortly after I, I went down that road that if you're going to self-publish, you have to also self-promote because if you write a book and you don't tell anybody it's there – no one's going to know about it, and so therefore they don't buy it, and therefore you lose all the money you spend on publishing it. So basically <laughs> I spent all of 2021 focused on the book. Uh, and then, you know, after the national championship game in January, I just came to this realization, all right, it's, it's, it's time to figure out what the next chapter of your life is. What are you going to do? And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still connected to college football. Um, like you said, I have a podcast uh, that we just – started this week, uh, which is called Fourth and Manageable, and, and I'll have a, a number of people joining me on that uh, throughout the season, uh, and, and I'm excited to do that. Uh, but uh, my, my full-time gig now is in real estate, and that's, that's what I got into um, a few months ago. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, for, the, for those who know anything about the, the housing market right now, it's not the greatest time to get into real estate. Um, things are are, are you know, very up in the air uh due to a lot of factors. But uh, I'm learning a lot and um, excited to see where this goes in the next few years.
5: Hey Brad, it's Matt Coulter. You want to go on the CFL?
10: Oh <laughs> Matt, I tell you <laughs> what, you know, it was air? funny. After what? He he and I, I did the say, first well, year. We did the Barracudas together. The Barracudas. And crazy. and uh yep. last Last season, uh, when I was on the uh, the book tour, uh, I, I had a lot of speaking engagements, and one of them was uh, at the the Alabama Red Elephant Club in uh, Montgomery, and uh, and I actually did that with Chris Stewart, and I was telling uh, the the audience there, you know, about my time uh, working with the Barracudas. And that, uh, Chris Stewart was, uh, involved with the radio team, uh, for the Birmingham Barracudas, but he was not speaking on the air. He was actually doing the stats. No, you. he did stats. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so that was, that was when and, I first uh, met Chris Stewart, was, was, was back then with the Barracudas when he was working with, with you and the radio crew.
5: Well, and, and you see what happened from there. I'm sitting here. You worked for ESPN, and uh, Saturday uh, Chris is going to do the Alabama game. There so hey,
4: yeah, they kind of left
5: Absolutely. me in their dust, yeah. didn't they? Uh, good for <laughs> yeah. y'all, uh, man. He was he did he did sports information stuff that was so far over that I mean, and I try and use every stat and everything he ever provided. You couldn't do it, Brad Edwards, and he, he would produce an encyclopedia just for the game at Winnipeg. It was just. What, you guys
4: know
5: Brad? Oh yeah, I know. I, mean, you, I know. And then then we get on the plane, and he'd uh, repeat. I mean, he just he's uh, you are a football savant.
10: You know, Matt. Uh, I, I did uh, I did the radio show uh, College Game Day uh, with, with ESPN for many years, and when I first started, the uh, one of my my co hosts uh, was Ryan Rosillo, and uh, Ryan likes to joke about the uh, worst seat on the plane was the one sitting next to me because if if that person <laughs> knew anything about college football and started a conversation, it was going to be like two to three hours of everything that they ever wanted to know plus a bunch of stuff that they really would rather have slept than heard. Um, but, yeah, that's just the way. I get excited when I talk about football and it's hard to stop.
6: Brad, of all the Nick Saban statistics that you have unearthed over the years, um, what is the most sort of surprising to you, and what would be the most impressive?
10: Yeah, there's so many of them, and and there were a lot when I started to write the book that I already knew, Um, and then there were others that I was certain I would uncover, but there were were a couple – that really surprised me. Like I thought there was something there and I started to look into it and it was, it, you know, a couple things it was like, when was the last time that a team did this before Alabama? And it started going back and back. And I'm like, wow, this is surprising. It hasn't happened back further, back further. And um, there, there are a couple of those, but the one that, that really, I, I think just defines the Nick Saban era and, and, what the program has done over the span of time, uh, as well as anything. And this is, is kind of obscure because most people don't hear discussion about consensus All-Americans. Um, you hear about All-Americans, but what a consensus All-American is, for those who don't know, is, is that every year there are a bunch of All-America teams that are named, you know, I mean, everybody has an All-America team. Um, but th- there are five of them that are generally considered to be the most prestigious. And if you are named to a majority of whatever the most prestigious All-America teams are at the time, and like I said, right now they're five going back in history. It's a different number each year, and they kind of change over time as to which ones are the most prestigious. And this goes all the way back to the 1800s, by the way. Um, Alabama in 2020 had six consensus All-Americans, they were the first team to have that many in one season since Yale in 1909, okay? I mean, that's that's pretty remarkable in itself. But if you start right after that Yale team, to start at 1910 and go all the way to present, there have been five teams in, what are you talking about, 112? 112 seasons of college football. Um, there have been five teams that have had five or more consensus All-Americans in a season. Three of the five are Nick Saban, Alabama teams. Okay, so Nick Saban has done something three times in the last 14 years that the other 1,700-plus coaches in major college football over that span have combined to do twice. I mean, that. That, to me, just, just shows you not only the talent that he's brought in, but the way that they've developed them to get them to that point that uh, you know, that they're recognized as, as All-Americans. And then, and then obviously, we, we see what's happened at the NFL draft level um, beyond just being a college All-American. And so it's just from, from the highly ranked recruiting classes, the development, all the way through to where they're accomplishing things. On the field, and then and then beyond to the next level. It's just it, it, it's all part of what's made this dynasty and this program just so great.
4: You're listening to the Jay Barker Radio Network. He's Brad Edwards. The book is Dynasty by the Numbers. The podcast is fourth and manageable. Brad, it's, it's, it's strange because I'm 56 years of age, and so I've kind of right been in the middle of all this great sports action we've had over the last 20, 25, 30 years. Uh, the players are faster. They're bigger. They're stronger. We're seeing records being broken that we thought we'd never break ever in, in all of sports as, as, as far as it goes. And I remember starting – the radio show with with, with Jay and Al Del Greco uh, in the opening drive some 17 years ago. No one thought that Bear Bryant's record would ever be beaten. as six national championships, and certainly we've seen Nick do that in right, seven. Yeah. We'll probably have another two or three before it's all over. Have you? Have you? And I know that Nick Saban was on his show Thursday. Is like let's live in the now. Stop talking about the future. But I'm going to go seven years in the future, twenty thirty when assumably Nick Saban will be hanging it up as the greatest college football coach ever. What happens after that? What 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 do you see happening as college football as a whole? Are the coaches going to be better? Will Kirby Smart have four national t- championships? Is it going to be more easier? Is it going to be more top heavy? Is there going to be no middle class anymore in college football? What what do you see in your crystal ball in twenty thirty?
10: Yeah, that, that's a, that's a great question because, um, you know, let's take Alabama out of it and and just just look at the state of of college football. I guess you can't take Alabama completely out of it, but. It's, it's not just Alabama that's dominating. You know, in in my opinion, there are three teams coming into this season that are a notch above everybody else in the country, like clearly a notch above everybody else talent-wise. And they're ranked 1, 2, 3 in the preseason poll. Um, I, I mean, it, you look at the preseason poll, and it's almost like everyone's just grasping after that. And I mean, Clemson <laughs> at four makes as much sense as anyone else because of how good and how consistent they had been before last year. And last year wasn't a disaster. They were 10 and three. But then after that, you start looking at like, well, I mean, you got to put somebody there, you know, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a top 25 you get, you got to put a name in the blank or for all those spaces. And so therefore teams have to be ranked there, but it's so top heavy now. And uh, on the fourth and manageable podcast, uh, one of the guys who, who's with me is, is Tyler Bray, who you probably remember is Tennessee quarterback about, you know, ten to twelve years ago, and we were talking about college football then when he played, and how it's just so much more top heavy. And I mean, he played against you know the Alabama teams that went back to back in eleven and twelve, and so they you know they faced some some really good teams. Obviously, LSU was was you know their two thousand eleven team was was really really good. Um, it, it's not like there weren't great teams back then. Um, but there've been so many years, like in the last five, where it's felt like going into a season that there really only are two or three teams that have a legitimate chance to win it all. Like there's a completely different thing. Like if you're if you're trying to say like okay, how many teams are capable of winning the national championship versus how many are capable of making the playoff? Those are totally different conversations. A lot of teams are capable of making the playoff. But to get there and actually have a chance to win back-to-back games against that level of competition, you know, I think this year there are three teams that are good enough to do it. Last year was probably about the same, and for most of the last five or six years, there there haven't been you know many more than three. And you go back in history, and I don't think that's always been the case. I think there's been more parity at the top, and and I don't know is that going to change when Saban's gone, or is if Alabama falls out of that group, is it going to be worse? Because, you know, right now, you've, you've really got uh, a few teams that have a stranglehold on the recruiting. And as much as people thought that things like, you know, NIL and the transfer portal are, are you know, going to, to change the balance of power and allow some of the, the second tier teams to get better, that's not what's happening. And, and Alabama, what they've done in the transfer portal the last two years is a great example of this. I mean, this is a team that, because of its recruiting, rarely had any true weaknesses. No. But now, if there ever is a weakness, they can plug it right away. And the same thing would be true for an Ohio State or Georgia. You know, you could have a guy who's an all-SEC linebacker at Kentucky who might say, hey, you know what, i got one year left. I'd like to make a run at a national championship, and I'm going to go to Georgia or whatever it is. And so I just think the way that everything's shaping up in college football right now, I, I think it lends itself to the to the rich getting richer. And I just I think that... that upper upper class the the richest of the rich uh it's getting to be a smaller and smaller group of teams and i I don't think it's great for the sport but i don't know what else you're going to do
6: brad from uh 1953 to 57 uh bud wilkinson in oklahoma won 47 straight games is that the closest comp to what nick saban has been able to do at alabama
10: yeah, when you start to look at you know dominance over a particular span, uh, that would certainly be one of the runs uh, that that you would compare to what Saban has done. But what I would add is, like, if, if you look at the number of ranked teams that Wilkinson's teams faced during that span, it it, it pales in comparison to the number that Alabama would have faced in any. Similar span of games under Nick Saban, and, and and you know some of that is because okay, the SEC in the Saban years is better than the the Big Eight or Big Six or whatever it was that Oklahoma was playing in in the fifties. That's part of it, but you also now have conference championship games where you're you're always going to play. I mean, if you're in the SEC, you're always going to play a top twenty team and usually another top ten team in that game. And now you have uh, not just the the, the national championship game, which has been around for a while, but but the playoff. So you're going to have two more games against top four teams, and it's just to to be able to, you know, to to win the percentage of games that Saban has with the number of top ten teams that you have to go through in order to do it is very different from from what happened with Wilkinson, and that's why I, I don't think anybody today would be able to put together a winning streak as long as he had. But I also don't think that. He would have been able to put together a winning streak like that if he had had to face the, the type of schedule that any of these teams would have to face today in order to go undefeated mm-hmm. at the major college level. And so, I, I think that is that's that's one uh, reason I would say that it's it's not as great of a comparison as some people might think. Um, I, you know, I think if you go back and you look at you know national championships and overall winning percentage over a longer span of time, closer to you know the number of years that Alabama's now sustained it, you'd have to go back to the, to the late 1800s with Yale, where it was a completely different sport. You wouldn't even recognize it. It was almost like rugby. I mean, this is pre-legalization of the forward pass. Um, so there, <laughs> wow. there, there, was, there was no NFL then. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, there were, most of the teams that were playing, playing college football at that point were, were all in the Northeast. You know, yeah. I, it's just, you can't even make a comparison. And so when I wrote the book, the, the subtitle um, I, I added just shortly before printing, and the subtitle of the book is Why Alabama Now Owns the Greatest Decade-Plus Run in College Football History. Yeah. And, and the reason I, I phrased it like that is because you could take those Bud Wilkinson teams um, in the 50s, you could take some of the, the Frank Leahy, Notre Dame teams in the 40s, um, you could take uh, maybe some some Oklahoma and Nebraska teams from the seventies or eighties. Uh, you could probably take I, I, the Pete Carroll teams from you know from yeah, not Brad, too long ago at USC. Yeah,
3: and, Brad. And, I, I, and what you I end hate to cut, up with? I hate to cut you off. We're like right up again. We we were hard break right here. We've got gotcha, to get to. Gotcha, you, but sorry about, man. That. Great stuff. I mean, awesome, awesome stuff. Thank you so yeah, much did, for being with Brad. us.
10: Thanks for having me, guys.
3: Appreciate most it. Most definitely. Most definitely. Brad hey, Edwards. Brad. And you know why He's we right want to have him on place. right there. <laughs> Great stuff. Let's take a break. We'll be back.
7: Importantly, when she sees it,
0: FincherAnonymousMan.com.
7: MacFarlane Boulevard between Edgar's and local roots.
3: Bryce Young will be launching a few bombs on uh, Utah State and again, 6.30 SEC Network. You can watch it before the game. Got a great pregame show from Tide 100.9 FM, and Matt Coulter will be leading that. Matt, tell us about it.
5: Well, we're, uh, we'll be on two hours before the actual pregame on the network starts, so tomorrow we'll be on from 1.30 to 3.30, and there'll be people tailgating everywhere, so tune in to Tide or the Bear. I'm very pleased Jay was a part of this. Uh, David DuBose, Walt Williams, and uh, Joe Gaither, thank you, because uh, we're gonna have, we're gonna cut up. We'll be at uh, twelve twenty-five uh, tomorrow. That's the location. There's a restaurant right there on the strip. Mm-hmm. That you Not familiar with? That's where we'll be at one thirty. Looking forward to it.
3: And thank to- you, Jay. Most definitely. Tony, tell me to everybody about uh, where to find you.
4: Yeah, just go to uh, Android or Apple Store and. And uh, pull up TKR. TKR doesn't have to be caps, lowercase, whatever. TKR, get the TKR app and you listen to great classic rock and roll and great shows. Uh, we have all kinds of wonderful shows right here on the Tony Career Radio and the Jay Barker Radio Network. Lawrence, Lawrence, about 30 seconds. Brother? You got the kids this weekend? What's your what's your, what's your your loser again? What's your loser again? <laughs> my loser is Alabama.
6: Ooh! So my, Utah, I, take, I'm, I'm taking Utah State 40, getting 41 and a
4: half. Great. You get a winner on both sides.
5: Yeah. Hey, right at here. least you're talking about this game this week and not Texas <laughs> and rat poison and everyone.
4: <laughs> from nah, Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson,
5: Austin, and Tony
3: rat Curry, I'm Jay Barker. Thanks hey, for being hey, with hey. us here on this Friday edition. The uh, We got uh, Brad Edwards was on with us from ESPN as well. And don't forget the uh, pregame show tomorrow with Matt Coulter and all the guys. They're tie 100.9 FM. Thanks to, I think, Nathan's from the board of Hardy and also Josh Smith, our
5: producer,